rely on partnerships and the amazing work of so many organizations and leaders to achieve our collective community goals. I hold dear the bonds of friendship. We are friends transforming communities through service. implement transformative programs that address the most critical needs of underserved communities. Welcome to LinkedIn Impact with the Arlington Links, a podcast which transforms our community by highlighting the issues, resources, and leaders that you need to know. Hello, and welcome to the next episode of LinkedIn Impact with the Arlington Links. My name is Krista Jones, and I'm excited to host this podcast produced by the Arlington, Virginia chapter of the Links Incorporated. September is HBCU Awareness Month. Through our national HBCU initiative, the Links Incorporated seeks to increase the retention and graduation rates of students attending HBCUs. For more than a century, historically Black colleges and universities have produced a significant portion of the nation's doctors, teachers, entrepreneurs, and political and religious leaders. Listen in on this conversation among members of the Arlington, Virginia chapter of the Links Incorporated as they share their experiences, why they feel HBCUs are so important, and what they hope for the future of HBCUs. Enjoy the conversation. much for joining in this fabulous conversation about historically Black colleges and universities. My name is Chevette Mooney, and I'm the host for this evening. Thank you so much for being here. Currently, I am the STEAM coordinator for the Arlington, Virginia chapter of the Lynx, and that program hosts students and introduces them to STEAM career fields (laughs) in various professions. Tonight, I'd like to have everyone on this call go around, tell just a little bit about yourself. Please state your name and how long you've been a link and if there's anything else interesting that you think we should know about you. Let's start with our president of the Arlington Links, Suzanne Walker. Good evening. It's so nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I am Suzanne Walker. I became a member of the Links Incorporated in May of 2015. I am an HBCU graduate from Virginia State University, and I was a music major. My intent was to become an instrumental music teacher in a high school setting, but I had second thoughts after student teaching, and I joined the military. (laughs) So I did a military career, 26 years in the Army, and I retired as a lieutenant colonel. I'm really happy to be here, and I'm really interested in this conversation. Awesome, and thank you for your service. I'll go next. My name is Brenda Martin, and I joined the Lynx Incorporated in Pine Bluff, Arkansas in June of 2015. So I've been a member for eight years, and I attended the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, and my major was fashion merchandising. I thought that I wanted to be a buyer for a retail store, and then I decided, well, I just usually wear what I want to wear, so how can I buy for the store and tell people what to wear. So I ended up 
getting my master's degree and doctorate degree in teaching home economics education, 23 years as a university professor. And now I am two years in at working at U.S. Department of Agriculture for the National Institute of Food and Agriculture. Thank you so much. I can go next. I'm Janice Waltburn, and I have been a link for 12 years. I am a proud graduate of an HBC. I did my undergraduate work at Bishop College in Dallas, Texas, and I major, did a double major in history and political science. And I went on to Atlanta University to get a master's in history and a master's library and information science. I worked, I have, I am retired as Dean Emeritus of Marquette University's library. I retired two years ago. I'm still very engaged in my profession. And I think I owe so much to the mentoring I received and the opportunities from the HBCs that I attended. So at any rate, happy to be here. I am a proud, proud HBCU alumna from the Spelman College in Atlanta, Georgia. I have been a link where I can't believe it. I had to go and do some figuring. I'm like, whoa, I've been a link for 16 years. And I was brought into the wonderful Links Incorporated via the Arlington chapter, the award-winning Arlington chapter, I should say. My background is in uh, media, television, communications, and I am, like I said, I am working right now as we speak. So I'm multitasking. I'm just excited about what we are doing to elevate and amplify HBC. I'm right up my alley, so I had to be here tonight. This is great. And so excited to be here amongst all of you. Yes, ma'am. It's so thrilling to be here. I'm Kimberly Jeffries Leonard, and I am a proud member of the Arlington chapter. I've been a member of the Arlington chapter for 27 years, where I became a link. Uh, I am a graduate of three historically Black colleges and universities. I did my undergraduate work at Fayetteville State University. I did my master's at North Carolina Central University, and I did my doctorate at Howard University. I also did my postdoctoral fellowship at Howard University Cancer Center. So my degrees were in psychology. I always wanted to be a psych. I thought I wanted to be a practicing clinical psychologist until I went to Central and we had to do an internship there. And I was like, I don't want to sit up here and listen to folks talk. All. <laughs> I was really into the research. And so I uh, came to Howard to do my research in uh, cardiovascular stress and racial issues, which built on the work that I had been doing in undergraduate and in my master's program. And so was really fortunate to be able to get a, an NIH postdoctoral fellowship at Howard University Cancer Center to do research in cancer and cardiovascular epidemiology, which is what started my whole public health work. I am so excited that we are doing this around HBCUs. They are critically important to our community and to just elevating us as Black folks. It really was the foundation of everything that I am. Uh, I am proud to be a member of the Board of Trustees. Uh, I'm actually a secretary of the board for Fayetteville State University and um, just excited to be a part of this conversation. Oh, I am the um, president and CEO of Envision Consulting LLC, which is a, a small company that does public health and strategic uh, planning, programming, and work consulting. And again, all of these things came about from my experiences that I got 
while being a student at each of the HBCUs that I attended. Thank you so much. So let's get down to the nitty gritty. Most of us have family members or friends or your grandmother or somebody that went to an HBU. To get this conversation started, can you explain how you decided you wanted to attend an HBCU? Anybody, the floor is open. Okay, I'm Suzanne Walker, and I'd like to share that. I have a legacy of family members who attended HBCUs. On my father's side of the family, all of his sisters, two of his brothers, and my grandfather attended Virginia Union University. And that was actually where I was being steered to go. However, when we did our little rotation of looking at various colleges, I was drawn to Virginia State University, which was just about 40 miles, 30 miles down the road from Virginia Union. But I do have a lot of other relatives that attended HBCUs and their stories and their experiences and their lifelong friendships that they made while they were attending HBCUs was very much part of my decision making to attend an HBCU. My sister did not go to an HBCU, and she still to this day says she wished that she had the experience that I had at an HBCU with the lifelong friendships and the connections and the camaraderie that we have, and it still goes on today, even after, I won't even say how many years, but it's been more than 40 years since I graduated from an HBCU. So (laughs) that connection and that family environment was very much a part of my decision to attend, and I'm really glad that I did. Thanks, Suzanne. My reason is somewhat different. Where my family, have, I'm from Alabama, so most of my family went to HBC schools in the state of Alabama. And my parents thought that it was time for me to go, to be the one to go to the University of Alabama. I was the first one to go to an all-white high school before busing was required. And I decided I needed something different. I needed somewhere where I thought I could find me and people could appreciate the true talents that I brought to the table. Decided also to go out of state. That's a long story. So I wanted the HBC experience of support and confidence building that. I had friends who attended HBC who told me they received that. And the cultural and social life that's afforded by historically Black institutions. And that was a big draw for me. And so I decided to get away from home since I was not going to University of Alabama. And I, one of my teachers was a graduate of Bishop College. And it was a Baptist college and talked to, to me a lot about it. And I had a friend who was there and I decided and I went there, and um, and because in part because the president at the time had a real vision for enhancing academics and a cultural life that would be attractive to students seeking access to a quality education. And I think I realized my aspirations at Bishop College. I'll jump in. I didn't start off at an HBCU. My mother went to what was at the time Samuel Houston College. She's from Texas. And now it's Houston Tillotson. They were two small religious colleges 
And because they were so small, they just merged together. But I grew up in North Carolina. I grew up in Fayetteville. I grew up on the campus, literally, at Fayetteville State University. Uh, my mother was one of the first Black teachers to integrate in the elementary school system in Fayetteville. And then at a certain point, she, when she did her master's, she came out and she went and started teaching at Fayetteville State University and, and probably held, I can't even, I think of probably every daggone position <laughs> up until when she retired as Associate Vice Chancellor of Academic Affairs. But I took piano lessons on the campus. I hung out with my cousins on the campus. I looked at the plots on the campus. I wanted to be AKA on the, everything on that camp. But when my mom went and did her graduate work, she did her graduate work at Chapel Hill. And then we got socialized into this Carolina Chapel Hill mindset. And for me at that time, I was just going to Carolina. I was going to Chapel Hill. And it wasn't until probably when I was packing, my mom said, maybe you should be at HBCU. And I was like, what? I get to Carolina and it just wasn't a fit. I wasn't thriving. I, I felt lost. And there was a, a professor who was doing a sabbatical over at Carolina from North Carolina Central. And she was teaching a class on, on, on racial something. And she took me to the side and she said, baby, this, I don't think this place is for you. I think you would do better in an HBCU. I think you would thrive in an HBCU. I think, and, and for a Black woman to come to a Black student and tell her that, not from that school, because nobody from, from Chapel Hill ever said anything to me about that. I thought it was really powerful. When we went home, I talked with my mom. I decided I was going to transfer to Fayetteville State. It was absolutely, and I didn't know if I wanted to stay at Fayetteville State. I just knew I needed to be away from, I didn't need to be at Carolina. It was the most transformational experience for me. The professors there, I had my first entree to research. I started, that was where I started in my research. My uh, professor there got his first research grant from NIH. I went to Central because I wanted to continue in the line of research that I was doing. And my advisor at Central was Elwood Robinson, who ended up becoming the president and chancellor of Winston-Salem State. He just retired. And I wanted to continue that research, which is what brought me to Howard. And when we talk about thriving in an environment, when we talk about being somewhere where you can be seen and people are nurturing you and you really are being the best that you can be because of that foundation. I think that is what made me see that an HBCU was really for me. My brother went to Tuskegee. I think the lesson <laughs> I've learned by that time, he's younger than I am, but it really is a proving ground, a training ground for Black excellence, for Black growth. Sometimes we have students who may be first generation, but it is that open arm, that welcome space for Black students. And that's what I felt when I went back to Fayetteville State and allowed me to be able to do the, to be who I am today. Thank goodness for moms and showing you how to go down the pathway to great success. It sounds like that's wonderful. <laughs> Okay. My reason is probably the anomaly. I did. I knew nothing about HBCUs. I was in high school and my family, we never talked about college. My parents are from Mississippi, a small town in uh, Lula, Mississippi, and we never discussed college. All they knew was you get a good job with benefits, factory work, whatever, and that's good. You're doing good. And so my senior year, I just wanted to get out of town. And so my high school counselor said, oh, you want to get out of town? Then you need to go to my alma mater. And so that's when the first thought of college was on mind. And I still didn't know anything about an HBCU. She mentioned it, but I didn't know and I didn't care. I just wanted to get out of Benton Harbor, Michigan. So I had, I did not have HBC or even college on the mind. And I'm so glad I ended up going to 
her alma mater. And then I learned about HBCUs and their importance and relevance once I got there. But my road was, I knew nothing about college. I knew nothing about HBCUs in high school. Think of a really fond memory. It can be related to a particular person or a particular event or just something, how you have that aha moment. If you would just share what your experience is or was at that particular time that you attended the HBCU that you chose. Oh, so for me, I would have to probably say that all of the various icons, celebrities that, and this is Michelle, all of those moments, all of those experiences, all of those even just personal connections, I think that was, has been so impactful. And to even be a part of some emerging talent. So I'm probably dating myself, but at any rate, to I was given the opportunity as some of some of you may not, and don't act any differently to those of you who didn't know that I am really the celebrity in our chapter. I was in school days, the iconic school days celebrating its 35th anniversary. And no autographs, please, no autographs. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just joking, just you. But anyway, to have had that opportunity, I was I did a lot of theater in, in college. And to have been able to be a part of the movie, to have a, a speaking role, to have met Spike Lee when he was, again, at the beginning of his illustrious filmmaking career, and just to have been a part of an iconic movie as such, that for me is just amazing. I mean, I was a part of a, a theater troupe in college. And then I later learned that one of the dancers that was a part of the group, he was Michael Jackson's choreographer. I had no idea, but I knew he was amazing. But again, just the people who have, have had experiences with, and I know many of you have had that same thing. And for me, that has been something that's been so impactful, just seeing, not just at, at Spelman, just the, and Morehouse and the AUC, so many people who, again, they're careers and their you know, journeys have just been amazing. And that is one of the things also that has led me to creating HBCU Honors, which is the an award show that celebrates and elevates not only HBCUs, but pioneering trailblazer game changer HBCU alumni who are just doing big things in their respective fields. So I just had to put a plug out there for HBCU Honors as well. But yeah, that for me has just been great. Just again, being around all of it. It's so inspiring, so motivating. And then now to, just to see where some of those people are now, even versus then, is just incredible for me. Very inspiring. And just, again, another reason to be excited about having attended an HBCU. Awesome. Awesome. Would anyone else like to share their experience? This is Suzanne. I had several wonderful experiences at my school, but one that stands out in my mind was being a part of the marching band because we traveled across the country and many different other schools, and we were a performance band. That was my real first exposure to marching bands in the HBCU tradition. It was a lot different than being in a regular high school band or band that you might see on colleges at other schools. And being a part of that organization was absolutely amazing to me. I lost a lot of weight. <laughs> I was very in fit and in shape because we worked us very hard. 
But the quality of the music, the camaraderie of the members, that stood out for me for the first three years. I was totally immersed in marching band and that HBCU band experience was just amazing. We didn't have Battle of the Bands back then, but it was there were a lot of events that were similar to that, where we had competitions with other school bands and just that excitement of going to football games and participating in, in the showmanship of the HBCU marching band tradition was to me the highlight of my experience at, H, at my HBCU. I think I'd pick back off of you, Suzanne. This is Chevette. I attended Southern University and I'm from Wichita, Kansas. I attended predominantly white schools my entire life. My whole K through 12 education, I had two black educators and they were married. Miss Washington in first grade and her husband as an art teacher when I went to uh, middle school. I had a good girlfriend that had just graduated from Southern University and I was talking to her and I was like, I'm ready to get away from here. I know it's bigger, better things out there in life for me. I just want to do something different. And she started telling me about her university. So long story short, I enrolled, I went to school and the very first football game, I about lost my mind. <laughs> I just, I couldn't believe we went from just very formal, straight marching bands, mm -hmm. rhythmless mm -hmm. nation, you know what I mean. To these yes, we were rocking and rolling. Yes, mm -hmm. these fabulous bands and the women, it was in Louisiana where it was still warm to me because in, in Kansas, it gets cold in the winter. There they had on long furs and everybody's getting out of all these fancy cars. And it was like a huge fashion show at a football game. So mm -hmm. there, and I'm just in awe, I'm watching more of the crowd than I'm actually watching of the game. So as soon as the game's over, I run back to my dorm and I call my dad and I'm just screaming. He's what's the matter? What's wrong? What's wrong? I said, you should see what I just saw. And I'm telling him about all the women and their hair and the fashion and all the things. And all he said at the end was, baby, every dime that I spent to get you there was worth it to hear you be this excited in this moment. Mm -hmm. Make sure you keep your grades so you can stay there. And that was my promise to myself. I was going to keep my grades up so I could stay. <laughs> it's nothing you can just... It's priceless. Those type of memories are literally priceless. And so when I see, I'm a teacher now, and when I see kids, when that light bulb comes on, I just reflect back to my aha moments in class. And so that's my story of one of my best experiences at HBCU. Link, Chevette, if I could just add the relationships that I built mm -hmm. at college are so important to me. Mm -hmm. I just made my roommate and I are still best friends to this day. And she pledged AKA and I pledged Zeta. Mm -hmm. And secretly, we worked on each other's scrapbook. <laughs> we won't that. tell. So you won't tell. But we won't all tell. the Greeks, we had such good times and all of the activities, the football games, all of it was just fantastic. Because being one of few in a white high school of about 300 or 400, there was no place for us. Nobody invited us to the table. Mm -hmm. And to be able to have a seat at the table was just the best experience. I would like to add, this is Brenda, that it's not any one particular experience for me, but it's the atmosphere and the culture. The professors were so funny. They were like family, how they would just tell you like it was. Mm -hmm. They didn't hold their tongue. They were like, oh, you got one more time to come in here late. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they just broke it down for you. They were like, you're a family or auntie or whatever. So they didn't play. And I love that. They were hard. Mm -hmm. They'll let you slide sometime or, or just 
talk bad to you in, in front of the class, but then you can slip them your paper late, but just don't act mm-hmm. up in class. But it's that type of nurturing yet firm instruction that I really enjoyed at the HBC. And I got that from the white professors that I had at HBCs and or the ones that were international, had international backgrounds. They were so committed to our success and it showed. That's what I was going to say. It felt like that our professors at every level, they just, they were invested in you. They were invested in your success. Your success was their success. And it was almost like they look at you, look at my student, look at what they're doing. I had a hand in this. And it was a feeling that I never got at the other school that I went to. And I, but it was a feeling that I felt every single HBCU I attended, not to mention, of course, the Black college experience, which was phenomenal on all of the the campuses, the football games, the bands. I danced while I was at Federal State, when I was at Ivy. Of course, we had all kind of different people coming to speak to us at different times. But I remember Pat Russell McLeod was one of our, I think she was either a Founders Day speaker. And I remember our line was there and I had an opportunity to meet her as an Ivy. Uh, she's an AKA. But just all of these things, I think, just came together to be that amazing Black college experience that so many different things you saw, even down to who's going to be at the homecoming concert. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Now I want to shift gears just a little bit. We talked about the warm fuzzies and the good feelings and emotions that we had that we relate to HBCUs and our previous experiences. I want to ask the question, how do you think their affirmative action decision will affect the HBCUs? I'd like to answer that question. I am concerned about the decision. I do think that it will probably increase applications for people wanting to attend HBCUs. I think that actually more attention has been paid to HBCUs and the prestige level of HBUs has been elevated to a very high degree based on many factors. But I do think that more people will apply, enrollment will increase, and I just worry that funding may not. And I hope that we are able to support the growth that may come from the increased enrollment that affirmative action may draw from those who may previously had thought about attending other institutions and now maybe turning their eyes towards the benefits and the wonderful opportunities at HBCU. So I do hope that money will follow and that HBCUs will be able to grow to accommodate the increased number of people that will probably start looking to apply to these schools. I agree with much of what Link Suzanne said. And I, I think it will see a lot of our students who will want to go to HBCs because it'll offer them a more supportive environment. And that might be good for some of them and a mistake for others who might be better served by an opportunity at another school. My major concern is what Link Suzanne said. It has to do with funding and a continued pressure on HBCs to see much-needed support received from corporations and organizations. I don't think that it's a big threat, but it's worth us watching and taking a closer look in coming years. I think that I agree that we probably see an increase in enrollment in HBCUs because of the affirmative action decision. And I think that what we'll, we're going to have to, to continue to do, you know, we have a lot of organizations that have programs that support HBCUs. I don't know if we'll be able to count on 
state level funding based on what we're starting to see in the states. I don't know if we'll be able to count on increased federal funding based on the makeup of some of the uh, congressional folks. So we don't know what that is going to look like. And so I think that it's going to be incumbent upon us as organizations to really continue the support that we've put in place to ensure that there are scholarships, that the HBCUs have operational funds. I think a lot of the organizations of which all of us belong have really robust programs to support historically Black colleges and universities. And because of that, I think we know that there's going to probably be this increase. We know that our HBCUs are historically underfunded. We know that when you talk about the increased enrollment, you've got to house folks, you've got to have spaces in terms of academic spaces for them. All of those things are going to really impact the the functioning of our HBCUs. So we're just going to have to really be very strategic and purposeful around the organizations to which we belong, increasing the support that we have so that we can take care of our own. We don't want to see another HBCU close. We really just cannot afford to have another historically Black college close. And so the question is, what do we do? And we really are going to start to have to look inward and make sure that we're taking care of our own or we also, voting in oh. the right people to make sure that they get funded <laughs> because yeah. they're such an important component of our culture. You're right. And the uh, affordability of HBCUs for many first-generation attendees has been a, a draw for many when competition to get accepted to these schools start to increase because of the increased enrollment, some of the first-generation students may not have the same opportunity. So I worry Mm -hmm. about that a little bit. And that does impact the funding. I know that in many HBCUs now, they are really turning to the organizations to help out with things that never seemed to be an issue before, like having food pantries or having uh, support services for students who are qualified academically, but not financially to maintain the lifestyle of living on a college campus. So I I do hope that we all rally together to help keep those uh, students able to attend these beautiful colleges. Well, we have to because they contribute to the diversity of opportunity in higher education. If you think about it, we have Ivy's, elite liberal arts colleges, what major public universities, Catholic colleges and universities and specialized universities focusing on everything from the arts to engineering. And HBCs also provide that. They are a part of the fabric of opportunities for students from all backgrounds. And I think Mm -hmm. Suzanne and Link Kim, we need to make sure our organizations find ways to reach out and support them so they will be there. So we won't see one more close. I do know of one organization that has a signature program that is specifically tied to the HBCU. I think I know what that organization is. But you think of the role of the churches too, because you know our Black churches Mm -hmm. are there. They do what? Black college tours? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that when Madam President mentioned the fact that now that it becomes even more attractive, then you do have that concern that our first generation college students may not have the opportunities that they've had in the past to be able to go. And so we certainly want to make sure that we are saving space for them, even with this influx that we know is going to happen because of the affirmative action. My hope is that 
this affirmative action decision doesn't make. I know, remember Betsy DeVos used to try to say something of last resort. Our schools have always been opportunities to cultivate Black excellence. And I really hope that we continue to be able to help prospective students see that these are places to cultivate them in the best way that they can be, as opposed to now that I can't go to another school because of this affirmative action, then let me look at an HBCU. Awesome. Thank you. I am loving this conversation tonight. Unfortunately, we're going to have to draw this conversation to a close, but I would like to recap what I just heard about some of the significant impacts that affirmative action decision could possibly have on our universities. There's an increase in the number of people applying because of the affirmative action decision. There's a concern that funding may shrink at the state and or federal funding levels. It's definitely going to require more support from the outside. Various organizations, churches, and individuals will have to step up to the plate to help us maintain and provide scholarships for day-to-day operations. Now, I don't want to leave on a kind of down or negative sounding tone. I want to reiterate some of the comments that each of you said tonight that prove why HBCUs are relevant. They provide cultural and social life. It provides a thriving environment which nurtures our students. It demands and commands Black excellence, exposure to positive mentoring and discipline. The professors were like family. They invested in us. They continue to follow us as we could uh, progress through each level of education and into our professional careers. They're proud of what we're able to accomplish at each level. Sorority life is fantastic and it's affordable. Is there anything else that anybody in the room would like to add to this list of why HBCUs are relevant before we close this conversation tonight? I would just like to say that one of the advantages of being at an HBCU, one of the importance of having of HBCUs, it isn't a place where you are seen. And sometimes we negate the importance of being seen for who we are and what we bring to the table as Black students. But I think that one of the, the beauty of an HBCU is that they see you and they see you and they celebrate you. With all of these other things, the investments, the sternness, the discipline, it is still steeped in this foundation of we see you and we celebrate you and we only want you to be the best that you can be. Exactly. I would just like to add one more thing, and that is that it is a historic institution. It goes back way to the end of the slavery period and to the opportunities that were given to the formerly enslaved people to be educated and make a way in this world. And it's a legacy that we can continue and to carry on. It's part of our American history, and it's something that should be celebrated in addition to all the other wonderful things that HBCUs bring to the world. Link, Suzanne, that is so great. And I think about all of our leaders, when you look back, our leaders who have helped us move forward, most of them came from HBC. (laughs) That says a lot about who we are. Yes, exactly. Where we've been and where we're going. Ladies, we have to wrap up the conversation on this night but it doesn't mean the conversation has to stop. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining in tonight to share your opinions, your passions, your emotions. And I just want to say, have a wonderful rest of the week and make sure that we vote for the people who will help our HBCUs. Have a wonderful evening, everyone. Good night. 
HBCUs were founded in the face of discrimination and have a proud history and legacy of achievement. I hope you gain some additional insight from this conversation with Kim, Suzanne, Brenda, Janice, Michelle, and Chevette as they discussed HBCUs, from the way our HBCUs stress Black excellence to the importance of how they make our students feel seen. With so many forces trying to tear our students and our communities down, it makes us proud to support the institutions which are doing everything they can to hold up our communities. For more information on the Arlington, Virginia chapter, visit our website at arlingtonlinksinc.org and follow us on social media at Arlington Links. Thank you.